Hello and welcome to the Privacy Corner. I'm Robert Bateman. I'm a freelance data protection and privacy writer, commentator, advisor, uh, evangelist. The list of titles keeps getting longer as I take on more clients and jobs. So anything privacy related, I seem to be doing. Good to see you all. And this week is just me in the Privacy Corner. I hope that doesn't deter you from staying because I've got lots of interesting things to say. So for anyone that has not watched before, the Privacy Corner is all about taking a deep dive into some news items, everything happening in the world of data protection and privacy. There's a newsletter that goes with the stream each week, which I write along with Privado AI, who provide this space uh, for me to ramble about privacy, along with guests, uh, usually from the Privado AI team. And this week, I'll be talking about three main news items. A proposed FTC order against Microsoft around children's privacy, a Danish GDPR decision, which is very interesting, uh, went under the radar a bit, but I was looking at it yesterday and realized how significant this could be. It's about Facebook business tools, so Facebook login and so on. And another Microsoft fine, this time a uh, proposed fine from the Irish Data Protection Commission. Let's see what we know about that and what I think it might be about. We also will look at some of the reading that I recommend for this week, some bits on Apple, and also, uh, if there's time, I'll chuck in a few other news items, some very interesting stuff happening over in Florida, for example, that warrants mentioning. So let's start with this Microsoft FTC order. Now, the FTC has been very, very busy of late, as I'm sure many of you will know. The US is not well known for its robust privacy regulation, but the FTC is using its powers under existing laws, mostly consumer protection law and some funny little data breach statutes that it has in its armory and going after companies for alleged violations in tracking and uh, cookie consent, those sorts of things. So Microsoft is the latest target of the FTC, and this is a proposed order that comes with a $20 million settlement. Now, $20 million is not a lot of money for Microsoft. Let's be clear about that. I have not quite got to the bottom of why these FTC settlements are always such small sums, with a few exceptions, namely Facebook's $5 billion settlement from a few years ago. But the important thing is always the consent order, you know, the, the, the things the company has to do to uh, satisfy the FTC's requirements. Now, another interesting thing about this particular action is that it comes as a set of three. The FTC has two main priorities at the moment, health privacy and children's privacy. 
and we got three health privacy orders already this year, orders, settlements, actions. Uh, those were against companies called GoodRx, which is a discount drug uh, prescription app, BetterHelp, which is an online therapy provider, and Premom, which is some sort of ovulation tracking app. So that's three health privacy actions all in a row, all in the first months of this year. And now this Microsoft action is the third in a set of three children's privacy-related actions by the FTC. The first being Edmodo, just a couple of weeks ago. This is an EdTech provider. Then Amazon, who got in trouble over, what was it? There was a, there were two. There was Ring Doorbell and also Alexa. This was the Alexa one. Children's privacy, collecting children's uh, voice in, uh, in Alexa. And now Microsoft and this settlement proposed order concerns Xbox Live. So the problem relates to Microsoft's activity between 2015 and 2021. And this order cites the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And the FTC is taking issue with how Microsoft's sign-up process worked for uh, Xbox Live. Now, I don't quite understand how Microsoft could have done otherwise here, but that's probably quite naive of me. I'm sure there's a way. The problem is that Microsoft would invite users to sign up. It would collect their email address and so on. And after the collection of that personal information, it would ask the user how old they are and the user declared they were under 13, it would then trigger Microsoft's COPPA compliance mechanisms, and they would try to get consent from the child's parent, as is required under that law. So children under the age of 13, to collect most personal information from, from then, uh, companies have to get parental consent. Now, uh, one particular problem here is that Microsoft supposedly kept the data for some children, uh, sometimes for years, despite not receiving the parental consent. So they told the kid to go away and ask their mum and dad, and they kept the data in the meantime and didn't delete it for a long time. So this is another problem for the FTC. So the proposed order is going to change how Microsoft approaches it's under 13 users. It will encourage, it will have to encourage parents to set up separate children's accounts. Seems fair enough. It will have to get parental consent for uh, some existing children's accounts if those users are still children. And it will have to put a process in place to systematically delete uh, some children's data uh, within two weeks of collecting it. So if the child signs up and declares that they are under, eight, under 13, Microsoft can only keep their data, they can only wait essentially for two weeks uh, to get that parental consent. This is such a tricky area for me. I really confess that I don't know how to think about children's privacy because the balance here is between safeguarding children and scanning everyone's you know biometrics or 
getting everyone's ID uh, at the outset to make sure you don't have any children in your system. This is a really tricky problem. And I wish that some people in the sector would stop pretending otherwise. This is a clear case for me of a balance between a conflict between rights and I don't know the answer. Now, I was discussing this in our last live stream with Kerry Leaning, who uh, asserted that there are mechanisms developing that can estimate users' ages in a privacy-respecting way. Uh, I know some people that would still take issue with that, even if there was no sharing of the data and so on. Um, but I suppose that, you know, there is a balance to be struck here between children's safety and uh, everyone's privacy rights. So maybe some vendor will get this right at some point. As for Microsoft, um, we'll see how they, I, I think they, uh, the, you know, this is still a pending consent order. The court has to approve it. And I'd like to see what happens next with the FTC, because if this rule of three continues, we'll either go back to another set of three health privacy orders, or there'll be a new sort of trio of cases in a different area. Um, so that will be interesting to see what happens next. I expect the, 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 the neat grouping of these cases is probably a, a coincidence, but there, there we are. So coming up next, I'm going to discuss the, the Danish GDPR case that I mentioned. Um, so this is from the Danish DPA, whose name I will not try to pronounce. I don't think it's that hard, but it's, uh, it's about, so they, they had a complaint against a housing website which translates as housing portal. And this was one of the 101 complaints, 101 complaints received by Noib, that's Max Schrems Privacy Group. And it concerns the use of Meta's Facebook business tools. Now, the one I know about is the Facebook login. I'm sure there are others uh, that qualify as business tools. I don't think this was about the Facebook or Meta pixel though. So this case was brought concerning EU-US transfers. So the Austrian regulator looked at a case involving Facebook login and determined that the, the EU website owner had violated the data transfer rules by using Facebook login. Now, there is a bit of a lacuna in that particular case because the complaint was brought at the time between uh, Schrems 2, which nuked Privacy Shield, and Meta putting its standard contractual clauses in, case, in place. So in that case, there was actually no transfer safeguard in place. I hope you're following me here. Um, but regardless of that, there was deemed to be a transfer of personal data. Now, in the Danish DPA's case, which took, which, which was uh, published last week, the Danish DPA could not determine whether there had been a transfer of personal data between the website owner using Facebook business tools 
and Meta. So the reason for that is that the housing portal website did not appear to have enough information to be able to tell the DPA one way or another. So the main focus of this investigation turned out to be the joint controller agreement between housing portal and Meta. Now, the joint controller agreement, I think they call it their data protection addendum or, or something like that, um, between, between Meta and its business users, I reckon there are probably millions of EU business users of, of Meta's business tools using this, coming under this joint controller agreement. So just briefly, a joint controller agreement is put in place by two organizations that are determining the means and purposes of processing for the same personal data. So they have to divide up the different GDPR responsibilities between them. Obviously, Meta is one of the largest companies in the world, has many smaller clients, and it took on the bulk of GDPR responsibilities for itself in order to retain control of its operations, I suppose. And the Danish DPA did not like this. This is the first time I've seen any scrutiny of Meta's joint controller agreement. This agreement was brought into place after a uh, case at the Court of Justice of the European Union in 2019 called Fashion ID. Uh, previously, Meta said it was a processor for most all its purposes. But uh, the, the, the Danish DPA essentially says that the, the, the joint controller agreement is not good enough. And this has really major implications because, as I say, I reckon that millions of European companies might have signed this thing without really knowing. And, of course, they are the ones that will be subject to enforcement action under it. And if it's not... Uh, if it's not right, even if they didn't know it existed, they will be at least partly liable for any problems with it. Um, so the Danish DPA said that the housing portal site that used Meta's tools should have had more responsibilities under the agreement. For example, should have been primarily responsible for responding to access and rectification requests. And importantly, should have been at least jointly responsible for international data transfers. Now, this is a really big deal, as pointed out by the excellent Ria Alexandra Wale, apologies if I'm pronouncing her name wrong there, on LinkedIn, who says, the DPA thinks that the further sharing of personal data from Meta Island to Meta US is not a standalone processing activity, but an integrated part of the processing activity for which Housing Portal and Meta are joint controllers. So, in other words, Housing Portal sends data to Meta Ireland. It remains responsible for that data even after it's transferred to Meta US by Meta Ireland. This is very significant. Um, and I don't know what will come of this, but if this ruling, like so many GDPR uh, decisions, I shouldn't call it a ruling, decisions were applied uh, across the board, it would have really big implications for a lot of companies. So that's a pretty technical one there. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. It's uh, really a case of saying that there are thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of companies operating under what is a 
non-compliant contract with Meta, according to the Danish Data Protection Authority, which is a big deal in my view. Now, back to Microsoft for this last, well, for our third news item. Uh, another piece of bad news for Microsoft, which has earmarked around $425 million for a fine expected from the Irish Data Protection Commission. Now, we don't know a lot about this fine. It was addressed by Microsoft in a statement on its website, the um, investor relations page on the 1st of June. And all it really says is that it's a non-public preliminary draft decision. It's issued by the Irish Data Protection Commission. It's about LinkedIn. It's about ad targeting. And it's worth $425 million. And of course, they're going to fight it uh, tooth and nail uh, as as one would expect. So that's all we know. And I've had a look. There is no mention of this penalty from any time before Microsoft announced it. Uh, as far as I can tell, the internet is completely devoid of any information about this draft penalty uh, from before June the 1st. So we know it's about ad targeting on LinkedIn. I mean, there's a lot of privacy professionals on LinkedIn who might agree that the platform is not a shining beacon of GDPR compliance. Um, I had a look at the privacy notice and found it a little bit tricky to determine what legal bases LinkedIn relies on for what types of ad targeting activity. If the Irish DPC follows the precedent set in its decisions against Meta, that might have an impact on LinkedIn and Microsoft's uh, business model. Remember that that case determined that contract was not a valid basis for uh, ad targeting activity, essentially. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. I mean, Microsoft has got off pretty light under the GDPR. This will certainly be the biggest penalty it's received, possibly the only penalty Microsoft has got. Oh, no, some in France over cookies in Bing. Yes, that's right. Uh, but this is a big one, and I look forward to hearing more about it. If anyone knows more, please let me know. So I'll only speak for another five minutes or so. There are a couple more things I'd like to mention, though. Florida uh, passed a privacy law, and it was signed yesterday. And it is called the Digital Bill of Rights, a very bold name for quite a narrow piece of legislation. Basically, it targets billion-dollar social media companies and search engines. And I remember reading this a few weeks ago before it was signed and thinking, well, that bit's not going to work. How are they going to do that bit? And uh, there's a lot of stuff about children's privacy in there again. And there's also some stuff about content moderation. I think the boundaries between content moderation and data protection are getting increasingly blurry. And they don't necessarily belong together. But we will see how they implement that law. SB 262, Florida's Digital Bill of Rights. Please have a look at it because um, 
it looks like it might struggle to survive a constitutional challenge in the US federal courts. Uh, we also have a great uh, investigation by Wolfie Crystal, who is a, a researcher on ad tech, who has unearthed a massive database of ad targeting characteristics from a platform called Xander. And you can go on this markup article and look through the types of, they've got 60,000 different labels that they apply to different people. I'm just having a look now, I'll show you a random one. So for example, you may be labeled uh, a black, Asian, Hispanic, LGBTQ uh, person, or you know, there's all sorts of stuff here. Uh, addicts is one of the categories. Um, Jewish is one of the categories. Jewish news readers, extreme confidence. I took, uh, I submitted a subject, subject access request recently to Experian, which is one of the big data brokers, particularly here in the UK. And their, obviously their categorization of people is nothing like as sensitive as what Wolfie has unearthed here. But the confidence with which they predicted various characteristics about me was entirely misplaced. Almost every single characteristic they assigned to me was wrong. Um, but I think that's even worse in a way. Uh, it's my fault for protecting my privacy so well. But having these inaccurate descriptors assigned to your person is harmful in itself. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's worth a look. If you search for markup, and Xander with an X, I'm sure you'll find that article. Uh, also, the ICO has put out something today about neurotech. They obviously don't have enough work to do looking at the actual data protection harms occurring today and over the last decade. They're talking now about new technologies that monitor the brain and the data protection implications of those. Uh, not something that's on my radar in particular, but I was interested to read an article about the new Apple headset by Joe Jerome in, uh, in the tech policy press. If you get the newsletter, there's a link to some of these pieces. Now, Joe Jerome looks at what Apple is doing with this new headset. I'm sure you've seen the Vision Pro, and he describes the implementation of eye tracking and so on in quite positive terms from a privacy perspective. So Apple obviously is all very keen to keep things on device. I am personally quite terrified about the idea of having this headset strapped to my face 10 hours a day with Microsoft Word in 3D in front of me and some client monitoring my eyeball movements to make sure I'm working. Please don't approach me if that's your method of, of working. Um, but Joe Jerome has some quite reassuring initial remarks about how Apple is doing this headset stuff. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure there will be some function creep here, but it's interesting to see them at least take an ostensibly privacy by design approach for this device, uh, which I am quite cynical about. So the other thing worth reading is a Twitter thread that I've included in the newsletter by Eric uh, Swoofer. I've never been sure how to pronounce his name of um, Mobile uh, Dev Memo. 
and it talks about Apple's new privacy manifests feature. So this will force developers to declare the specific reason for which they are including SDKs in their apps. We know a lot of apps are littered with unnecessary SDKs. Privado AI, the company I am uh, presenting on behalf of, likes to uh, solve this problem with its code scanning software. Quick plug there for Bravado, because this is a real issue. You know, there's so many properties with third-party stuff stuffed into them for no real reason, breaking the law and uh, harming people's privacy. I think that it's a bit of a scourge, to be honest. Bravado is, and I genuinely mean this, solving a real problem here. Um, so have a look at Eric's thread on Twitter. There's a link in the newsletter about how Apple is approaching this. It probably will be a big deal, maybe somewhere, uh, you know, probably not as big a deal as the app tracking transparency policy, but uh, still important. So look, I'm going to stop rambling now. If you have actually watched me talk to myself the last 25 minutes, thank you so much. I hope you got something out of it. And uh, it's a shame that uh, my co-host couldn't make it this week, but I could probably talk for another 30 minutes myself anyway. I would like to just give a, another quick shout out to Privado, who, as I say, are solving a very important problem. Lots of companies coming up against regulators uh, for having this unnecessary data collecting and sharing code in their apps and on their websites. So Provado is a privacy code scanning uh, product that you know aims to help people really understand what their product is doing. And um, I, 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 do, I do recommend having a look at it. Thank you so much. We'll be back in two weeks. Hopefully I'll have someone with me next time. And uh, if you are still watching, then thank you for sticking with me.